of humankind is a gift that all humans all over the world can enjoy. It's a gift, really, I see it this way. So I think that it's very important that yoga can spread and can be shared. And I think it's a very healing practice. My conversation with Sarah de Santiago, a yoga teacher from Andorra, was so beautiful and inspiring as we delved into the mother-daughter relationship in yoga and how close and intimate bonds can be nourished and created through yoga. I hope that this conversation made you consider yoga as a legacy of humankind and how yoga can heal the collective and all of humankind as well. If you're looking to tune into a podcast episode that's all about yoga in Andorra, then this is the conversation for you. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Wild Yoga Tribe podcast. I'm your host, Lily Allen Duenas. Together, we'll talk about the world of yoga and we'll talk to people from around the world. Before diving into the episode, I wanted to invite you to head on over to my Patreon account. I would love your support and I'm thrilled to have this beautiful community space where we can do yoga together, meditate together, and you'll get access to exclusive content. Get ready for some private Zoom Q&As, free printable art, meditation recordings, and more. Follow the link in the show notes to get started or head on over to any of my social media channels or my website, wildyogatribe.com to hang out, get to know each other better and find out more about all the support and resources available to you. Ready to dive in? Let's get started. Namaste, family, and welcome back to the Wild Yoga Tribe podcast. Today, we are celebrating our 99th episode. That's so exciting. We're getting really close to that 100th mark. And today, I am joined by Sarah de Santiago. She's a yoga teacher from Andorra, and she has co-founded Prana Yoga Andorra alongside her mother, where their collective vision really flourishes And with over a decade of yoga teaching experience, Sarah specializes in Hatha Vinyasa Yoga, which is enriched by her understanding of yogic philosophy, Tantra, Ayurveda, and astrology. Sarah's holistic approach does extend beyond just yoga as she is a Reiki practitioner, and she offers energy work sessions that deepen the self-connection and enhance well-being. So thank you so much, Sarah, for being with me today. I am so excited to be here with you. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited too. (laughs) And congratulations for your podcast. Thank you. Yeah. 99 episodes, 99 yoga teachers, 99 countries. Yeah. (laughs) Pretty cool. That's great. And it's a beautiful number as well. Like 99. It's beautiful. (laughs) Mm, Yes. I'm happy that we get to do this together. So Sarah, just to get started and get to know you better, can you share your journey with us into the world of yoga? What initially drew you to yoga and maybe how did you become a teacher? Yes, that's like kind of the story of my life. I grew in that kind of environment. My mom was a yoga teacher. She's been practicing yoga since I was a child. 
She was also a Reiki master. She did reflexology and all kind of holistic treatments. So I grew up into all of this. So it was normal for me. And my mom always insisted me in doing yoga and all kind of things. But um, as a teenager, you don't want to do anything that your parents think that is good for you or that your parents tell you to do. For me, it was like, no, I don't want to try that. I don't want, I don't want to. But sometimes, I think I was 18 years old or so. Um, and I was having like a very dark period in my time. I think it's difficult to be a teenager, right? And I was going through a dark time and something clicked inside of me eventually. And I felt now it's the time to to try this. So I just said to my mom, hey, I want to try a yoga class, but I didn't want to do a regular class in my mom's studio. So she taught me, but it was only the two of us. It was a private thing between my mom and I. And since the very first class, she's a Kundalini yoga teacher. So my first experience was with kundalini yoga and i remember that first class very well it was a very special feeling that first class right you might share that with me as well i think your first yoga class it's wow where have you been all my life right it was in a very calm state of mind and i just knew that i had to keep doing this because it was healing for me so i just kept doing yoga and eventually when i was 19 years old after a year or so I remember being in the car with my father and I was listening to a mantra, to Snatam Kaur Mantra. I don't know if you know her. She's a beautiful singer. And I remember having that kind of feeling inside of me, like a certainty. And I knew that I had to take a teacher training because I wanted to share yoga with other people. I was very young. I was 19 years old back then. I decided to enroll in my first teacher training. It was a Kundalini teacher training, by the way. And that's how everything started. <laughs> that's amazing. And it's such a gift to have a mom who's a yoga teacher. That was really incredible that you were introduced to it so young. And then also, I think really cool that your mom let you come to the practice. She didn't force you to practice. Maybe she took you into classes when you were little and you just toddled around. I, I don't know, but I think it's beautiful that your mom just allowed the practice to come to you and you to come to the practice. Yes. I feel very fortunate to have her in my life. She didn't put any pressure on me. Sometimes when I have talked to her about that, she said, I knew that you will come to this one day when you were ready. That was it. So co-founding Prana Yoga Andorra with your mother sounds like a beautiful venture. Could you tell me more about how your studio came into fruition? Yes, it's been a great adventure. <laughs> yes, you bet. And working with your mom, it's not easy. And it's been very healing for both of us too, for our mother and daughter relationship. It's been very healing for both. And my mom back then has like a very small studio because it was only her. And when I decided to work with her, we invest in, in ourselves and we decided to, to move to a bigger studio and to create like a brand, a logo, to have a proper name and to have a... Um, kind of a strategy for our business. I like to call it that way, but for a project together. I think 
we've been working together now almost for 10 years, like nine years or so. And it's been a great adventure. Yeah. <laughs> and what does your yoga studio represent for both you and your mom? It's, it's our family project. It's, uh, it's something that very beautiful and very precious to us. We've put everything we have, not only materially speaking or financially speaking, but emotionally speaking, we've put our hearts, our souls in there. And it's very important to us. It's a very small and familiar studio, and we really like to keep it this way. And I think that our students or any people who who approach a studio and comes, we like them to feel like family too, because they are in a sense, because it's an intimate space for us. Yeah, it definitely would be that kind of intimate space that you and your mom have created, that feeling of home, of family, of vulnerability. And so I'm sure that it is very special for new students to come and be welcomed into that space with all that really good familial, close, intimate energy in there. Yeah. Yes. We we like people to feel this way when they come. It's like opening the doors to our own home. Amazing. I also loved reading and learning, Sarah, that you are incorporating yoga philosophy, chantra, Ayurveda and astrology into your classes. How do all these elements enhance your yoga experience for your students? And and how do you actually weave them into your class? I know that it might sound like a weird combination of things, right? (laughs) But very curious person by nature. And I have this, it's almost like a compulsion to, to take classes and courses and buy books and gather information, understanding things. So I think, for example, yoga and Ayurveda pair really well together. They go hand in hand, in a sense. And Ayurveda is a practice and a philosophy that it always helps me to be more grounded. Sometimes I use Ayurveda in classes, for instance, when it's Vata season, which is slowly approaching in autumn and winter. Uh, Maybe I sequence my classes around uh, but Adosha doing like more standing poses, more slow and grounded sequences. The astrology is uh, the same. Astrology and yoga pair very well together as well because it gives you a sense of what is going on for the collective. And you can theme your classes, you can sequence your classes around astrology themes on, or what is going on at the moment. For example, I don't know, uh, in Leo season. Leo is about working with your inner child, working on your value, your worth, your self-confidence, your uh, inner glow, your shine. And you can theme your yoga classes around that and help the collective align with the energies of the moment. So you get an idea of uh, the kind of work I'm I'm trying to share there with all this combination of, of things. Yeah, it sounds a lot like you're involving and incorporating these elements more in your thoughtfulness and your intention and the atmosphere, the sequence and everything that you're creating for your students. 
It's probably less like you're actually talking in the class about astrology or or doing a whole sequence that's based on a lion for Leo. You're not doing a lot of samasana and a lot of the lion-based poses. It would just be more about Mm -hmm. the energy that you're... And the thoughtfulness, a lot of that intention behind your what you're doing yeah. in the class, right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. It's exactly that. It's the, the energy you put into the class. That is amazing. I know that a lot of people are listening are yoga teachers. And there's definitely, we definitely have listeners, Sarah, who are not. But I think that it can be a common misconception how much of your time and your energy and your intention really does go into planning a yoga class. I mean, sure, you can step in and use your intuition and you can just teach more in that organic way. But if you wanted to cultivate that experience really thoughtfully, it can take a lot of time and you can demo it. You can practice it yourself. You can move flow through it and by yourself before actually teaching. You can have notes or a poem you want to based on and which asana support that. I think that it's really amazing that you're even going more and more layers deeper than that, even more intention and thoughtfulness. (laughs) Yeah. Planning a class, it's a lot of work. And sometimes people don't understand it till they got enrolled in a teacher training and they say, oh my God, this is like a lot of work. We have to learn like a lot of things and put a lot of energy in doing that. And you can't imagine it um, till you study for being a teacher or till you start planning your classes. It seems easy maybe from the outside, like you just hop in there and you just uh, teach a couple of asanas or a flow and you just uh, go back home. But it takes really a lot of work, a lot of energy, a lot of intention. Yeah, we put so much of ourselves in each class, I think, as yoga teachers. (laughs) Yeah. And as you said, you have almost a compulsion to keep on learning and doing more certifications. I also share that with you. (laughs) I love (laughs) doing more training. But it is good for our listeners who are maybe new yoga teachers to hear, too, that just that 200-hour certificate that that's a great starting place, but often doing more certifications, not just in yoga, but in other things that interest you, whether that is Ayurveda or chakras or crystals or anything else that would maybe complement or add to your class. It's just a good reminder that, hey, more trainings is maybe in your future. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I agree with you in that. And I think we have that in common, most yoga teachers, that we are kind of explorers we are very curious by nature we love to uh to go deep into things we love to study to learn and we love to share as well and it has a lot of possibilities as you say not only studying like yoga focused things you can study everything you want and everything you do it's going to add something to your classes even if it's not something you talk open openly about but it will stem from you, I think it will nourish your classes and it will definitely nourish your way of teaching. I think it's very important. Yeah, that's such a good point too, because it can be even a class in or a degree in engineering that can change how you teach. I was talking yeah. to another yoga teacher from Iran and she has a design studio and we were talking about mm-hmm. how industrial design or product design, like how that the actual thought of how do all everything fit together that 
changes how she sequenced. Very interesting. But Sarah, I'd also like to hear from you. I know you've taught for nearly a decade, and I'd love to hear if you have any really rewarding moments that you've encountered on your teaching journey, maybe specific student transformations or personal realizations or anything that kind of stands out for you. I think the most rewarding thing about all these years with yoga, it's been the human experience you get. It's very enriching for your personal life. The people you get to know, the students that become friends, very close friends, and the network that can result from teaching yoga. The people you know and you start like connecting one student with the other and that network we used to make with different people and how we all end up supporting each other. It's very beautiful and very enriching. So I guess it's that all the people I I had the opportunity to know, to get in contact with and to learn from. Yeah, absolutely. The bonds that form in yoga are so beautiful. (laughs) I think that the yoga class or a yoga retreat in particular, there's so much vulnerability. And I think people start when they're finally quiet and finally still, not on the phone, not distracted, not thinking of 20 things at once or checking on something on Google and answering an email and talking to someone and watching TV in the background when you actually mm-hmm. stop doing everything and start hearing yourself, a lot of questions pop up or a lot of curiosities and that can form beautiful connections. Like, oh, is that the same for you? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. And the connections you make are very authentic, very different from the other kind of connections you make anywhere else. There's another kind of authenticity in that kind of bonds we make in this yoga world. Yeah. There's less artifice, Mm. less faking it. I think you show up as more of who you really are, a lot more realness brought to the table. And Sarah, I know as a Reiki practitioner, I'm also one as well. I first started my Reiki journey with level one in Nepal, and then I finished two and three in India. So it took me, I think nearly two years, we'll say to do it start to finish, but I don't often get Reiki and yoga teacher combo, a duo like you are on the show in general. So would you just talk to us about how your Reiki sessions and energy work how those practices complement and maybe inform or change how you teach yoga. You're a Reiki practitioner as well. I think you might agree with me that Reiki is personal and spiritual path as well as yoga. And I think it changes you as well as yoga does. And it allows you to work with a different kind of subtle energy. It nourishes you. It nourishes your energy in a different way. And I think that nourishes your way of teaching as well. What I've noticed with Reiki is that you tap in into a different kind of intuition. And sometimes, to give you an example, I'm in class and I have something planned for that class. And sometimes when I'm in the actual class with, with my students, I feel something inside of me and I don't know why I feel it. But it's, no, I can do this. I, I have to change this. And, and I end up doing a complete different thing. And at the end of the class, always, some of my students comes and say, I have received the class. I just need it for today. So with Reiki, that's the experience that I have. You, you tap in into a kind of intuition that allows you to receive 
what your collective is needing at that moment. Absolutely. Yes. That intuition and sensing the energy in the room. I think a lot of teachers, maybe you're using your eyes and you can see if people are fidgeting or you can see if something needs to shift or things are too hard and then they're struggling. I think you can see that, but there's that energetic layer of what needs to happen. You know, do, Mm -hmm. do they need, yeah, it's that intuition. It's like you can close your eyes and you can still feel it. Yes. Yeah. You'll get more sensitive to the energy of people, to the energy of the room. And you also understand better how the chakras work, the energy of the chakras. And that definitely helps you to understand asanas as well, the energetic effects of the asanas you're teaching and you're doing yourself. So, yeah, again, I think that they pair very well together. Everything pairs well with yoga, actually. Yeah, even engineering, like we mentioned. For sure. So, Sarah, if some of our yoga teachers who are tuning in today, if they're newer to the practice or newer to teaching, what advice do you or would you give to them? I don't know, so many things, right? But I guess that don't be in a hurry. That's what I would say to a people who is just beginning their yoga journey. Don't be in a hurry because I think it's a long-term process. Sometimes we want to go very fast with everything, right? And in our yoga journey, we tend to have this desire to go very fast, to advance very fast. And it's really a long, very long-term process that you have to invest time and energy in. And it's worth it, absolutely. So don't be in a hurry. Take your time, be consistent. And have in mind that it's something that uh, luckily is for your whole life. A lot of our yoga teachers, too, who are tuning in are from every corner of the globe, right? That's such a beautiful thing. And so do you have any thoughts about why it's important for yoga to be all around the world now? Yoga is a legacy of humankind. It began in India, but it's a gift that all humans all over the world can enjoy. It's a gift, really, I see it this way. So I think that it's very important that yoga can spread and can be shared. And I think it's a very healing practice. And I think it's very positive that now we can... We can attend classes, have yoga teachers, and be able to to connect with this practice all all over the world, not only in India, as it was hundreds or thousands of years ago. Yes. Yes, I totally agree with that 100%. Sarah, a question I ask every single guest on the podcast, and I'd love to ask you as well, is what is your personal definition of yoga? That's not easy. (laughs) For me, yoga, it's many things, but I think connection will be, it's the word that pops in my mind right now, connection. Connection with your inner self, with your true self. Beautiful. And also, I'd love for you just to shine a little light on Andorra as well on your country. Could you tell us what yoga is like in Andorra? Has it been really popular? I know your mom was a teacher a couple decades ago, but... What has that kind of growth of yoga in Andorra been like? When I started practicing yoga, maybe 16 years ago or so, it wasn't popular at all at that time. 
and definitely wasn't popular among young people or even middle-aged people. It was something that it was more in that country, in Andorra specifically. It was more oriented maybe to people from maybe 50, 60, women mostly, I think, from that age. And I think Instagram and social media has contributed on the popularity of yoga here in that country, here in my country as well. Because I've seen a difference since Instagram became more popular here in the country and people had access to social media and to all that yoga pictures. It started becoming more and more popular every time, I think. And now it's really popular. Our country is very small and things arrive later than in Europe or um, even in Spain, uh, in, in cities like Barcelona is that everything arrives a little bit later here. It's a country surrounded by mountains uh, in the Pyrenees mountains. So it's been um, a little bit, I'm not trying to sound negative here or anything, but maybe a little bit more close-minded. And now it's like the minds of the collective is open each year a little bit more and accepting more all these kind of holistic things. Sarah, yeah, I agree with you because when we started practicing yoga, the two of us were about the same age. It was unbelievable for me. There was really no YouTube. We had the internet, right? But it just wasn't anything like it is today. You couldn't Google anything and then immediately find a hundred different things talking about it. It was just so hard. And so now that I think information is shared and is so accessible and it's accessible in so many different formats... You can listen on audiobooks. You can watch it on a movie. You can read it in a book. You can ask questions about it on a Reddit forum. There's just so many different ways. So no matter what type of learner you are or where you are in the world, if you do have access to technology, like you can learn, you can find. And I do think that has opened the mind of the collective in big ways. But I do think energetically, the collective is seeking healing. I think we all acknowledge the collective needs to be healed. Yeah, it's incredible. I remember when I first started with my mom, I thought that Kundalini Yoga was the only yoga that existed. <laughs> you can imagine because I didn't have access, as you say, to as much information as we have now. And it was not as usual to type in Google and start searching for more things. So I just thought that this was yoga and that was it and it was a couple of years later when I took the training and started talking to other people that they told me no there are many many lineages of yoga and I was like wow really all the lineages of yoga is fascinating and I think it, I love learning about those on this podcast like there's a yoga teacher from Ethiopia Heron Tedessa and she was talking about Kemetic yoga and African yoga and while I, I thought I knew what African yoga was, maybe just yoga in Africa. No, it's like an actual different lineage. And so is Kemetic yoga based on hieroglyphics. And there, there's some claims that it could even be older than yoga in India. So it's, wow, <laughs> I didn't know anything about these lineages. And I do love learning about them because it seems like more and more are being uncovered. As around the entire globe, people are saying, no, there's been yoga practices in my 
culture and tradition in ancient times as well. Or they become developed in new age and new time. Anusara yoga is very new or Bikram yoga would be considered very new. There's always more to learn. So also, Sarah, to spotlight your country, Andorra as a whole, can you just talk to us about your country, about the history, the geography, what it's known for? If there's anything you want to share about Andorra, please do. And feel free to say it the correct way. I'm probably not uh, saying Andorra perfectly because I know in the U.S. we'd probably call it just Andorra. So <laughs> feel free to help out here. Yeah, I know that the sound is a double R. Yeah, it's uh, weird for you, right? <laughs> well, Andorra, Andorra. I'm going to say in my um, in my language, Andorra. Uh, it's a beautiful country, indeed. It's a country. Imagine a small country, independent among the mountains. We have. Uh, very high mountains and it's very famous because of its uh, ski resorts a lot of people come all from all over the world to to ski here in the winter and it's also very known uh, because of the shopping as well and in summer we have a lot of hiking routes in the mountains so a lot of people comes for hiking to and do nature and mountain activities. And it's a very safe country, which is great. <laughs> I'm personally curious, Sarah, is there any, I don't know, like conflict or competition with Spain? I know just being nestled so tiny, so small, like in between Spain and then sharing a language, speaking Spanish. I'm just, is there any kind of no, I'm definitely not from Spain. I'm from Andorra. Do you know what I mean? There's the kind of a pride or anything around that? I don't know about the others, but personally, I don't feel this way. And I haven't heard about that. I think the people we live here or were born here, we are very used to to be a separate country. <laughs> and we have an actual border and all that. So it's like very clear that we are separate, close, like neighbors, but separate countries. And we have a good emotional relationship with our neighbors, Spain and France. We have a lot of people from Spain and from France that come to visit the country or even work or live here. Yeah, we are in good relationship. Good. Perfect. Thank you for answering that question for my own curiosity. And Sarah, this episode, this podcast, this conversation has been so beautiful with you. I am definitely going to link your website and your Instagram accounts, both of them in the show notes. So wherever anyone listens, they can just tune in and, and click those links and be linked to you. And then I'll also put it on my website, wildyogatribe.com slash yoga in Andorra. So if anyone who's listening wants to read the blog about Sarah, read a transcript and find all of her links and some beautiful graphics and photos, head on over there. But here on the podcast, Sarah, do you want to say the name of your website and your Instagram? Yeah, our, web our website is Prana yogaandorra.com. It's in Spanish. We don't have any translation in English because we never saw the need of it. So it's in Spanish. But anyway, and my Instagram is Sarah with a final H dot um, pranayoga.com. Definitely. Sarah dot pranayoga. It's my Instagram personal account. Perfect. Thank you so much, Sarah, for being here with me. I have loved this conversation so much, and I'm so excited to celebrate the 99th episode with you. Thank you so much. I've enjoyed it a lot. 
Thank you for the gift of your attention today. If you feel called, please share this episode with someone who you think could benefit from it. Leaving a review would also be so appreciated. I also hope you can join me online on my website, wildyogatribe.com, or on social media. I would love to get to know you better. I would love to share with you and to hear your thoughts. Send me a DM, send me a note, get in touch. It would be great to hear from you. And as always, be well, dear one, be well.